Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Noel Kassler podcast, episode 53. I am super excited for today's episode. As you guys know, I don't normally have guests on here. I've had one guest in a a year, (laughs) to be specific. But today I have my good friend, Kat Del Buono, who I've worked with for many, many years and uh, is a good friend, her and her husband. And she's got a, a lot of opinions similar to mine and similar to the listeners. She's, you know, here's why I brought her in, folks. I want to introduce you to folks that I like to talk to in my life that you might not necessarily come in contact with. I know celebs and I could bring them on the shows, but everybody's doing that. You know, I want to introduce you to the people behind the scenes that make things happen that are also smart, accomplished people, because those are the people that I would talk to when I was on set. I wouldn't be asking Madonna for her opinion on the pandemic. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But I'm going to ask Kat. So without further ado, please welcome my friend Kat Del Bono. Hi. Hey, Kat. So, Kat, right before the show, we were talking and we're both on the same page. We're both New Yorkers. And it's like the whole city is opening up again on Monday. No mask mandates, no vaccine mandates. It's insane. You know, I'm freaking out. I'm literally freaking out because I just don't understand. Well, I do understand. It's obviously politicized. That's where it's coming from. It's not. I don't think it's based on the actual science. I, yes, I understand the numbers are going down. However, we're not like below a certain level from, you know what I mean, from before. We're still at, I mean, it's still out there. The virus hasn't been told that we've decided it's over. You know what I mean? It's just like ridiculous. I'm not, I don't care if people look at me funny, but I'm still going to wear my mask. I'm not going to go to a restaurant eat indoors because, you know, whether you're in a restaurant or not doesn't matter. People are going to be breathing. I mean, I just don't get that. I never understood that anyway. The whole like, you know, walk in with your mask, but when you could sit down and eat, you could take it off. I mean, what else? So I, I, I'm just tired of it. I mean, it's been politicized since day one, which is really unfortunate, which is why they, I understand that there's, they're doing that even now. You know what I mean? So I get it, but it's so fucked up. I agree. You know, it's like we collectively just sort of surrendered. And, you know, there's like 3000 people a day are still dying in the United States, you know, and, and obviously in New York City, we bore the brunt of it, you know, yeah. three yeah. years ago this month, you know, this week as a right, matter of right, fact, right, right. I went to I was at a meeting, I did my last show on March 6th, you know, mm-hmm. and, and by the 12th or the 13th or something, I was up here in the country and I never went back. I, n- I have never spent another <laughs> night in the city since then, except for if I stay at like, you know, a hotel or something. But um, it's insane. It's like we have short term memories and, and, and all the places that were open, you know, like comedy clubs would open up, you know, Comedy Cellar, which is in a basement. And every time I'd hear about a show there, I'd hear about three or four comics getting COVID. You know, this is through Delta. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Through Omicron. So, you know, it's going to get, it's going to flare up again. Like we all know it. There's going to be another variant. We didn't achieve enough of a vaccination status, but it's just like, everyone's so sort of burnt out. I mean, and thankfully there are a lot of people that are still going to wear masks and follow guidelines, including myself. You know, I'm not wearing a mask if I'm on stage in June telling jokes, which I will be at the city winery in New York and Philly, but like, I'm not going out to crowded restaurants when I'm off stage. I'm not getting on the subway. You know, I'm not, I'm not changing the habits that were hard won three years ago. You know, we're talking like 
social distancing in the grocery store. You know, yeah. I would wipe. I was one of those guys wiping bleach and the orange. Oh, I'm a big wiper. Yeah, big yeah. Wiper. exactly. <laughs> you know, and those are good habits. You know, I toured Asia with rock bands. They were all wearing masks over in Asia in right. five, six years ago, 10 years ago. You right. know, well, I mean, because they, they understand the fucking basic concept of a virus and in anything airborne. Hello. I mean, it's just so it's basic. Like I was saying before, like viruses have lasted. I mean, they existed before we were even around. You know, I mean, it's nothing new here, folks. That's just the way shit works. So I don't know why people just like just because you're sick of wearing a mask and you're sick of not going out, then you're going to decide, OK, we're not going to do it anymore. I mean. Go ahead, folks, but I'm not I'm not joining you. No way. <laughs> not till I know for sure. I hear you. Done. Right. You know? And it's never really gonna, you know, we can talk about long-term forecasts, but you know, it, it's we're not in the long term yet, is my point. This is just like you know, the, the ashes are still smoldering. Three thousand exactly. people a day. If three thousand people were falling out of the sky in airplanes yeah. every day, every flight would be grounded. You would right. not be getting on an airplane, but somehow you think Chuck E. Cheese is, is gonna be like, you know, a safe environment for you and your kids, you know, birthday. It never party. was to begin with, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's my whole set, you know, it was about the insanity of this. I yeah. I, I tell this story, Kat. I, I, we were in Nantucket last summer and a great white shark ate a seal in front of me at the beach. Oh my God. Literally like 10 feet from the sand and right next to this lady. And there was a big like blood stain in the water and the lifeguards <laughs> are blowing the whistles and they're like, get out of the water, you know? And people got out of the water, right? Everybody got the F out of the water real quick. And nobody was like, hey, tyranny, it's my right to stand exactly. here by a exactly. shark, right? When you're presented with actual danger that you can somehow process on a visceral level, you react to it like a human, you know, who right. wants to live. But like you said, it was politicized. So that's exactly it. Right. That's every, exactly it. Every, I think I think most people would have, um, you know, followed guidelines and listened to the experts, which is, I mean, hello, what are they there for? If it wasn't for Trump. Right. Well, that's it. That's Plain and I, simple. Plain and fucking simple. Let's just state the facts, you know? Exactly. So. And you saw where I was heading with that, because that's what he did. That's the way he broke this country is he divided it in a way that everyone interpretates, interprets all the data they're given in life now through this lens of like, well, is this a liberal thing or a Republican thing? You know, that's how everything is judged from sporting yeah. events to political events. You know, it's yeah. just like and he was able to, you know, find a way to exploit it for his political gain after he found out he couldn't make any money off it. Right. The re initial reaction with Jared and the kids was like, how can we make a buck off of this? And then when right. they realized there was no money in, in PPE and all this stuff, they, he threw up his hands. It was like, it'll be over by Easter. We're going to open everything up. Right. Well, he also, I saw it as also him wanting to, you know, win the election, you know? So well, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, um, but I have to say that, you know, I didn't really um, get so angry about the fact that he did all this until after I heard that audio tape of him talking about it from January 7th. He knew right. it was airborne. Right. That to me is a crime. It's a crime because here we were in January, February and March. Right. Maybe even into April going around without a fucking mask on without, you know, we weren't protecting ourselves. 
because we didn't know it was airborne, right? We weren't being told, hey, everybody, this is airborne. And also that whole thing about, no, 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 you don't need masks, which I understood. I understood why they did that because they wanted to save the masks for the healthcare workers. But you gotta let people know this shit, you know, so that we can protect ourselves. You know, put some rules down that don't allow people to hoard the masks, but don't tell us everything's fine. I was on a fucking airplane, you know, with no mask, but I was like, kind of scared because I had heard what had happened in China. And my sister who lives in Italy was like, don't get on a plane, don't get on a plane. This thing's for real because it was happening in Italy, right? So, and I'm like, eh, no, they say it's fine here. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. We put our lives at risk. I think people who died didn't have to die because we weren't told early enough that this fucking thing was airborne. Well said. Well said. And shout out to Rosanna. That is Kat's sister, who I've also worked with for a long time and would, would see when I would go through Italy. She would come out to CSN shows in Rome and stuff. And obviously we did the Super Bowl together. And I'd forgotten about that, that you were getting a bird's eye view. And I remember I texted somebody who from the NBA, like a dancer, NBA dancer, friend of mine who worked in, in you know, in uh you know, in, in production, TV production was now as like a food influencer, fashion person or whatever, who happened to be in Northern Italy, like shooting content when this stuff mm. broke out. And I think she's sort of skews Republican. You know what I mean? She's from Jersey and stuff. And I remember sending her a message and saying, you're going to be a witness to history. Like you're, you know, you're, you got a bird's eye view to this thing. And she was like, please, it's the flu. Everybody, oh I know everybody's overreacting. And I was just like, so misguided she's american yeah you know i just misguided but it it speaks to that earlier point like people the groundwork was already laid for people to not take this seriously right Right. like she heard that from somebody back home like hey what's the deal and her dad probably watches fox news and was like it's nothing it's the flu trump says it's the flu and like you said she said this message at the end of february you know when the hospitals were filling up in in italy but in January, he sat down with Bob Woodward and was like, this thing's bad. This is going to kill yeah. a ton of people. You I mean, know? That's, like, that's, the, that's the audio I'm talking about. Yeah, no, specifically. I, when I heard that was when I was really like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is a fucking crime. Right. This is criminal. I mean, really, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, this is a that's a crime. No shit. Know? Well, you don't have to tell me, you know, like he is a criminal. That's what I've been trying to yeah. tell people. Like he oh, was yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. back in the day. Like he was quite obviously a criminal when I worked on Celebrity Apprentice. Like it wasn't in the shadows. It was Russian mobsters at the after parties and Chuck Zito and Hell's Angels. It was like, cat. like you've done a million of these things. So you never did any of that. You never had to do any of that stuff. But yeah. like, and you wouldn't. <laughs> it would have been fun. Oh, no. I no, know, no, like no. the pageants, dude. I no way. Pageants. You know, I'm so anti right. that. No and way. I'm with you on that. You know, that's one of the things we have in common is like we would do the VMAs together forever, you know, and whether people want to admit it or not, you know, there's there was always felt like this sense of debasement to the women on these shows. You would see these backup dancers and these teenagers and, and like then these 45, 50 year old men that are calling the, you know, directing the show, sitting in the audience. And it just got so hypersexualized. It was, you know, it's part of the reason I stopped doing that gig. I went out of that that kind of business. But I think the last one we did with you was the JLo one. You know, I did with you guys at Radio City or whatever. But uh. 
you know, you get older and you're just like, this is nuts, you know, not to well, be. I, yeah, I know. We had talked about that whole thing where I, I kept threatening to leave um, production because of that. And every time I finished one of these shows, I felt like my soul had been drained. You yes, know what I mean? I know. And I, I just I couldn't. And I would say, I'm, not, I'm never doing this again. I'm never yeah. doing this again. But then you get, you know, what, what was that? Uh, the Godfather thing? They, they, they call me back, back in. I mean, it's yeah. always, you know, you get because of the money and, you know, yeah. it's all your friends and your husband, you know. Right. <laughs> so you kind of just keep going back. But yeah, it's, it was soul sucking. I mean, I just and, totally. and as a feminist, you know, especially it's hard to watch this and you know yeah people are like well that's their decision that's the you know that's what they want to do for their performance or whatever which is true but where does it all come from what it, what are those choices where are they all coming from it's it's coming from what people or men want right, right? no exactly and the exploitation is just like especially when you know it's just in service of this corporate you know this greedy corporate parent company like a viacom or something i remember and this is before your you guys i was doing it with you guys and david i shouldn't say i won't say your husband's name but cat's bought cat's husband was my boss for many years he's a big shot and so is cat but dave was the boss you know he he was the guy who who hired people like me and then dealt with the celebrities you know he was the guy who pulled all that together and did a fantastic job and still does he's a yeah he's, really yeah, he's a legendary guy and it's great to work with and you said it i would keep doing it because of the people behind the scenes it's like being in the army or something you get loyal to your platoon mates and you think <laughs> like well if i don't do this gig it's going to get screwed up because it was so hard last time and like and it, it's true like this is you can't tr you can't like train people to do this and then send them right. in to do it the only way right. you build up skills in live tv is it being in that position and right. like surviving it. And then, you know, next time, like, this is why you say, I don't know, let me get you an answer. When right. Madonna asked you for the 20th time, what item number we're in or something, you know, there's a lot of subtle little things in dealing with talent that, you, have, you know, you can only learn and experience. It's like diffusing a bomb or something. I mean, I'm not equating it with life and death, but you don't want like, oh, this is my first bomb I'm unwiring. <laughs> like, you don't want that happening on a live show that costs millions. But I but also as, as freelancers, I have to say, as freelancers, we don't have that like office work life thing. You know what I mean? Going, working on these gigs is our work life, is our office life. That's where our work friends are. So turning down these jobs kind of cuts you off from them. You know what I mean? And so like for if David says, hey, you want to work on this? So-and-so is going to be on it. And, you know, the usuals are going to be on it. You know, I might say yes, because I want to work with them. I want to see them again, you know. A wonderful point, you know. And when it did shut down, you know, a good friend of David and mine, Dougie, you know, like he passed oh, away. Yeah. He was a guy whose life was shows. You know, this guy, I, I first worked with him with Springsteen in 2000 on a reunion tour. And it was like when the pandemic hit, like everyone got isolated. But people in TV production who knew they weren't there wasn't even a chance we were going to work again for a year. You know, we were the last thing to come online. It still hasn't really. Um, people got isolated and isolation kills you too. You know, yeah. somebody like me who's in recovery, it's the worst thing. Thank God for Zoom. Cause like my particular, you know, 12 step meetings went online immediately and we all got to stay connected. If that wasn't there, if the technology didn't exist, it would have been deadly. And 
you know, everybody wants to be a part of a community, right? And for some right. people, your work community becomes your family, you know, and, yeah. and showbiz is kind of like a group of people like that, myself included, you know, there, yeah. there are some kind of misfit artistic type people that get drawn into that world and music and, and then you form these bonds. And, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, back to the, the VMAs things and the, the sort of corporate exploitation of women, I remember and as I said, you guys weren't on this, so you're not indicted. I was out there with the Foo Fighters and stuff on one in like 2007 in Vegas. It was a VMAs in Vegas. And I remember being like, who's going to open the show? And they're like, Britney Spears. This was at, you know, at, you know, it was like Adam and Jeff. And I was like, they're like Britney Spears. And I'm like, Britney Spears. She was just shaving her head off in public like four months ago. Like there is no way she is ready to open a national show and she shouldn't yeah. be. She needs yeah. help and there's no shame in that. But whatever manager and whatever executive thought it was a good idea to put this woman, this young woman who clearly has a lot of issues on network TV. And then so then it started. Right. And she didn't get on the plane to come to rehearsal on the Friday night, you know, and she kept saying like the plane was late and they're like, we sent a private jet. Like it's not late. It's sitting on the runway. just not getting on it. She finally gets on with her entourage. First things she needs are margaritas or so. And I'm not trashing Brittany. I'm in recovery as this is happening. And I'm like, right. this is heartbreaking. You're exploiting somebody who exactly. only needs to be dealing with her issues. And we all know it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then by the show Sunday, you know, they gave her something to calm her down or whatever before her performance. And that's when she was out of time, you know, with all her movements. And as we were flying home, you know, and I said on Friday, I said, you'll be lucky if she survives the weekend because she was partying with Paris Hilton on the night before the show. Like it was just a nightmare. And you and I have worked together in Vegas. Like that's the last place <laughs> you want to be if you're having some kind of issues, you know? And uh, I remember like, she did that performance. And when we were flying out, you know, the following morning, it was on every newspaper in every newsstand in every airport, you know, like at, in New York, in Vegas, like Britney messes it up. So you humiliated yeah, yeah, this girl publicly yeah. at a time where she was clearly vulnerable. And I remember being on an elevator leaving in Vegas with the executives and they were joking about it. Like, I won't name them, but top people so like, yeah. well, that's going to be good for the ratings. You know, it was a disaster, oh, but gross. it'll be good for the ratings. Right. Money, ratings. Business. Right. And That's we saw, but, and we see where that gets us, right? I mean, look yeah. at Trump, you know, it's like everyone knew that guy. Exactly, exactly. From oh, the yeah. 90s. The, the production stories that would come out of the beauty pageants alone were abhorrent. And NBC knew that, you know, and Zucker signs off. And, yep. he, and they know. enable this shit. They enable the behavior. Right. I mean, I mean look, at, look at even the media when Trump was, you know, running. I mean, they gave him so much TV time, please. You know, they, I, I mean, I always say that, you know, there's a reason he became president. They, they gave him so much free airtime, but you know, they, they love the shit show. They thought it was like great for ratings. People are going to tune in because they want to see what other crazy, stupid thing he was going to say, but whether they realized it or not, they helped him. They sure <laughs> did. Know? And, you know, and it happened I mean, to be. What do they say about PR? You know, like. No such any, thing as bad press. Yeah, that.
<laughs> exactly. And it was the same guy. It was Jeff Zucker. Jeff Zucker was the NBC Universal exec who signed Trump to The Apprentice. And then he went to CNN. And he was the guy who was putting them on in 2015 and giving them all the free airtime. And they're buds. They hang out at the Hamptons at fundraisers together. So it's all this incestuous world. And Jeff Zucker was having an affair with his assistant, you know, or director of communications who was advising the governor. I mean, the whole house of cards has come crumbling down. But I'll say one more thing and we'll go on another subject. But I was working on the tree lighting the morning Matt Lauer got fired and he was supposed to be our host on the tree lighting lighting and nobody was surprised right people were shocked that they walked him out of the building but nobody was like that doesn't sound like matt right, <laughs> you know what i mean right, right. everyone was like oh they finally got him you know or weinstein so it's the same thing and you know you do a, a lot of work you know as a feminist artist and a, a, a feminist advocate i don't know what the right you know nomenclature is you just got a fulbright right i did Congratulations. Got a Fulbright on the show. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm going to be heading to Italy. That's awesome. Um, yep. I'm doing an art-based uh, research project on uh, domestic violence in Italy, and I'm going to specifically focus on the uptick in violence and femicide during the COVID lockdowns. So if people think they had it bad here in America, they had like real lockdowns. Like right. my sister would tell me that they could not leave. I mean, you couldn't leave the house. You had to have, you could go to the store and go back home. You could, if you had a dog, she's like, I wish I had a dog so I can go out and take a walk. You could go walk the dog, but you had to come back home. You weren't allowed to just walk around. And that happened multiple times during, you know, the pandemic, which is still ongoing. I'm not going to say it's over because I don't think it's over yet. Um, so while that happened, you know, women who were in abusive relationships had nowhere to go they were stuck you know with with these abusers so anyway that's what the project's going to focus on good for you that's important work and that's something i was i was aware of and children that are in abusive households you know because you know i grew up in dysfunction you know my mom was an alcoholic and stuff so it you know in good times it's a very difficult situation you know in good times domestic abuse is horrific criminal activity that it's hard to escape from as a woman right. you know right. it's it was impossible like you're laying out you're stuck with your abuser i can't imagine the type of uh you know pain yeah that people have endured. So good for you, you know, and that's a domestic issue here too. You know, as you, as we can all feel, it's almost like we have PTSD as a nation. Now, you know, you can just tell that so many sort of bad things were, were uprooted in the last couple of years. You know what I mean? That people have just gone yeah. through this trauma and it speaks to that, like, well, it's over now. We're just going back to normal. It's like, wait, you know, it's not over, as you said, right. you know, and you have to acknowledge trauma and pain to heal from it, right? You can't right. just be like, right. oh, everything's fine. Let's go see Billy Joel at the garden now. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Billy. I know you had a good gig this week. My buddy uh, was down there working with you, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on. We, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you know a bit about my life. You know, my mom screwed up her life and, you know, she ended up like, you know, having to go away. Like she went to prison and I, I, I moved in with my grandparents, you know, in Westchester and they would always be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, everything's fine. Cause I just, I was a kid. I was 13, 14. Right. I wanted to go on with life. I was like, put me in a polo shirt and let me go skiing. Like I'm here now. Let me just enjoy it. But I wasn't fine. Do you know right. what I mean? It was trauma and pain that 
I I didn't even have the uh, strength to sort of process at the time or the guidance. So, you know, it would come out when I drank, you know, and then it, then it would like, then I would use drugs or alcohol to like cover up those feelings. And you can only do that for so long and it becomes a whole other problem. Right. right? I, I think also for, for males, it's, it's probably a little harder because males in our society in the patriarchy, right. Are not really allowed to have feelings, to right. express feelings. I mean, you have them, but you, you know, we don't, we're not very good with allowing boys and men to express what they're feeling, you know? So that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. You know, be a man, don't cry. Right. I mean, you, you just, you just instinctually tapped into one of the themes of this show is that real men cry. Cause, cause the, the kid, Jimmy, who was producing it and, and helping me as a co-host would cry most every episode. Cause I go on these angry political rants about like how fucked the environment was or something. And he would just start tearing up and crying. And he, you know, he, he's a sensitive, sweet soul. He's a good kid. You know, he lost his father in the last year, but he was brave enough to process his pain and to do it in, in public, you know, and, and you're right, you know, and it, it also plays into the right, you know, because the other theme is this toxic masculinity yes. bullshit. You know, yes. guys think they need these jacked up pickup trucks and all these symbolisms of being tough and militarized. And you're looking at real bravery right now. You look at Ukraine. It's like an old lady in a raincoat with a collision right. off ready to fucking kick some ass. Right. She right. doesn't need all this, uh, you know this bravado. right it's bravado to cover up feelings right because vulnerability is a threat to somebody who wants to manipulate a people right because because if you open up to your own sensitivity it opens up a possibility and range of emotions and empathy right if you're sensitive to your own feelings then you become sensitive to other people's feelings and then it becomes harder to turn people against each other because people go no those Mexicans aren't my enemies. They're not drug dealers and rapists. They're just people looking for work and a safe place to raise their kids. I know what that feels like because I get scared if I'm going to survive in this world. And that's what's really going on, you know, with the people that Trump exploited, a lot of them were left behind, you know, socioeconomically, educationally, culturally, because of a war on them that began in the Reagan administration. But instead of allowing that sensitivity, you know, and addressing that trauma and healing those wounds, it's easier to just come in and say, your life sucks because of these guys. And I'm going to mess up these guys if you elect me, you know, and this girl, this woman who's educated thinks she knows better than you. And I know you, you and, you know, you and Dave were big Hillary supporters, as was I, you know, eventually, you know, I'm never (laughs) against her. Dave and I got into it, you know, early on in the campaign, but he was right. Like she was our nominee and she should have won. And I think she did. Maybe he stole it. Right. right? You know, but it was that same thing, right? He was, you know, it was a lot. I say this all the time on the show and I know it gets me in trouble, but it was suburban women that helped Trump get elected. Like he did. Right. White women. Right. Well, suburban is my code. Seriously. It's so embarrassing. Right. It is. but. Well, and that's why work is important like you're doing. Like you have to address the patriarchy because it's not, it, it's both, it's BS, you know? Like people will say to me as a compliment and I appreciate it, but I do these car rants and I speak out on Twitter and they'll be like, you should run for office someday. You know, you should be in Congress. And I'm like, the last thing you need is another middle-aged white guy. Like, why can't I just be an advocate for somebody else? If I got some insight and skills and, a, and, and experience, why don't I lift somebody else up with that? Oh my I mean, God, that's, 
You right? know what? That's exactly what I was saying. And nobody fucking understood me when, um, when everybody was like, when all the Democrats were like, wait, what do we have? Like 20 of them running for, for um, the primaries during the primaries. And I, I made a statement because like all these guys are like, you know, oh, well, I support women. I support a woman present. And here I am. I'm looking at the stage and it's mostly men. Do you support women as, you know, a woman as a president? Why the fuck are you on that stage? Right. Why are you running for president? You should be supporting someone who you think who you would support as president. Do you know what I'm saying? I know and exactly. I, I remember I wrote something like that just on Facebook or whatever. And like, people are like, what do you mean? This and that, you know what I mean? Just it's like, forget it. It's over your head. I'm not even going to bother explaining it, you well, know, but like what you literally just said, why should I run, you know, I, you know, another white guy, I should support someone else. And that is the point I was trying to make. Yeah. And you just said it. Well, that's you're on the right podcast, Kat. I told you you'd be like this. That's what we're about here because it's like we need real change because we're all suffering from the status quo, right? This is not, it's not oh, yeah. white oh, guys. Yeah. It's just like, look, we've had our chance. We mess things up pretty good. Yeah, there's great statesmen and great like white guys, but that experience doesn't go away if you help somebody else. Like he right. needs a chief of staff. Like you, you, there's ways to be advisors to other people. A and it's it, it also makes everything more effective, right? Because you, right. you're helping the, the more youthful, diverse elements traverse that bridge. Because let's be honest, they're not privy to the country clubs, you know, and the, you know, the restaurants in Georgetown and all these kind of like areas that were, were sort of feeder routes for legislation and lobbyists. You know, that's a world of, of sort of white country club, Ivy League educated men traditionally, yeah. you know, and that's why some of those men fear people like AOC so much, you know, because they're well, like, well, well, her being a female, her being attractive, you know what I mean? Like, like oh, I men, I mean. if you look, I mean, it's so, I mean, you can always guess when it's going to happen. If there's right. a somewhat attractive woman, Right. Who's smart and is going for a position of power, she will be attacked. Right. In a, and, in, and a lot of times in a like, you know, sexual way, you know, like a gross sexual way. Right. So it's disgusting too. It I is. mean, she's obviously a beautiful woman, but you know, like you can see their obsession. You can see how that angers them. She's oh, beautiful. Yeah. She's smart. She's be oh, beating yeah. them at their own game. You know, she went to high school about 20 minutes from where I'm taping this. She went to Yorktown High School. I went to Lakeland High School. I'm a lot older than her, obviously, you know, but it's the same school district. Yeah, it's the same police department, <laughs> which if you knew me in high school, like that would make sense. But, uh, you know, it's the same area. And she, you know, she, she moved up from the Bronx and experienced racism in that high school. And I went to, you know, Lakeland, we had two black guys in my high school. One of them was my best friend, you know, and everyone got along with them. It wasn't outwardly racist as it is now. The right. point I'm trying to make is her school board just had a meeting like three weeks ago, the Yorktown school district, and people started yelling out the N word, doing anti, -CRT, yeah, doing anti CRT stuff, making like Holocaust, like Jewish. <laughs> oh but it's that, well, I'm, I'm mentioning it because like, this is where I grew up, you know, and in the eighties, <laughs> this stuff was like around the kitchen table and subtle racism, you know, of the people. Yeah. Right. it's a working class area of like the people that fled the city in the 70s and late 60s you know it was like guys whose whose parents you know lived in 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 brooklyn and queens they moved up to yorktown and northern westchester and long island you know in that period when the city sort of got left behind and they brought a lot of that kind of tr 
I don't know if tribalism is the right word, but that kind of city, you know, whatever, yeah. like, hey, you don't got to worry about your car up here. You know what I mean? Like, like that kind of subtle stuff is now in the open, right? It, it, it would have it been unheard of to have a disruption like that at, right. at a board meeting when I went to school there 30 years ago, you know? But now the fact that it happens publicly and I put it on Facebook and I couldn't get us, I got it the three like liberal people I went to high school with commented on it. And the other 50 I know just didn't even mention it because it's, it's there. Like it's rooted. The point I'm getting to is the racism, the change and the, the crack that, that Trump exposed in our country. Right. It's like, it's a dangerous thing. Well, he, and, he made, he, he's, he basically told them it's okay. Right. That's, you know? that, that's what I was. The so, I mean, it was, it's not that it wasn't there. It's right. just he said it's okay. And, you know, even though I don't call him the president, but when he was, I mean, people did look at that. Well, this is the president saying it, right? So that's that no matter whether you liked him or not, that's going to influence people. Right. Well, and like your earlier point about the masks, if he had said, hey, you know, if somebody else with a conscious was president and had that information in January, he would have been like, we're locking everything down now. She would have been like, she would have been exactly. There you go. Uh, you see, you, you caught me. That's why we got cat. She, yeah, if Hillary, I mean, let's not even, we don't even want to go down that no, road. No, I can't. Anymore. I can't think about that. We wouldn't be having a war in no. Ukraine right now either. Putin feared right. Hillary Clinton. He hated her. It was part of the reason he had Trump installed because he right. made life. She grinded him down as a secretary of state. You can make arguments that we didn't react forcefully enough to Crimea. And I think you'd be well, <laughs> well-intentioned in that argument, seeing what's happening now. Yeah, I, that I still don't understand how that was just ignored. I, I know. Because I mean, we're good I at mean, that. history doesn't tell you people anything. I mean, well, Hello. it's teaching you a lesson. You can only ignore it for so long. It's easy to ignore Aleppo. It's easy. To, you know, right now there's a million people starving to death in Afghanistan. You, you're not going to see that mentioned. I'm not trying to not. take away from the suffering. It's just we're, we're conditioned to look the other way. And now we've been presented with something nobody can look away from. Right. It's people that look just like what most Americans look like in their eyes, you know, it's modernized, you know. Well, that's interesting have- that you say that. It is interesting that you say that because, you know, David was saying how he's so affected and my mom was saying how she's so affected. I mean, she's like, I'm going to fast and, you know, I'm going to pray and I'm going to, you know, and she's like crying and, you know, getting so upset. And I'm like, but wait a minute, we've had like other wars and, you know, people being taken advantage of and like, you know, I didn't see as much of a reaction to that, but people are reacting to this. And I think you just explained why. Yeah. And I, you know, I sort of, I've been listeners know I've been warning people for weeks, you know, I'd say, I don't think you're prepared, you know, for what this is going to look like and what it's going to do to you psychologically. And I'm not saying that as an indictment of people. It's just sort of human nature. If something in your mind, and there's racism in it too. I'm not excusing the racism and the way refugees are getting treated differently. You know, uh, people of color at the border of Ukraine has to stop and it's abhorrent. But, you know, it shows sort of just the inherent, I don't want to say racism because it's more sensitive than that. But you made the point. It's just, we're not used to seeing this. kind. I remember the first, I'll give an example. I remember the first time I went to Ireland I've been going to Ireland my whole life, but I remember the first time I saw somebody begging on a bridge in County Cork, like a mother and a daughter, you know, begging for change and stuff. And they're blonde, blue eyed people. It affects you differently. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm obviously everyone who knows me, I grew up in a black neighborhood. I'm not saying people begging or any color. I'm trying to make a, you know, a point about like 
a deep feeling, you know, it, here, here's the point I'm trying to make. It's, it's a thing that like empathy is wired, works better. If you're like, that could be me. Like the easier it is to say that could be me, the easier it is to get a reaction out of people. And what we're here to do as human beings is learn that everybody could be you, right? The black family, the Middle Eastern family, the South American family, atrocities are atrocities and humanity is humanity. And I think if anything good comes of it, you know, when nothing good is going to come from like a war crimes perpetuated. But I think Zelensky and the Ukrainian people are showing the world that like what they're fighting for is what we're all fighting for. And that's why the re- world is reacting this way, because this is all of our fight. This is purely good against evil. Right. And this is one man. You know, to make it simple, it's like the World War II, like there was a lot of Nazis, but we all know it was Hitler who was the main you know, instigator of this shit. And here it's like Putin is the only guy. He doesn't even but have. I, um, can I just I just want to say how interesting it is that we're seeing a lot of this like like repeating of history, like the, the 30s and 40s, right? Like um what Putin's doing now and coming in was like what Hitler did, right? But even before that, like I never understood. Well, until I read this big fat book about it, but I never understood how how in the world would someone like Hitler ever be allowed to be in charge? And then Trump happened, right? So I find it interesting that history is literally repeating itself, you know, with like the way Trump came into power, which explained to me, at least it may help me understand how it happened with Hitler. And now with like Putin doing a whole Hitler-esque thing, you know, coming into another country and just deciding this belongs to me, this belongs to us, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of interesting that that's, happening back to back one well said you're, you're somehow just hitting all the themes of this podcast man oh. that's we know we, we've talked about that because i started like a month ago and telling this kid jimmy i started watching the old world war ii movies you know because the parallels have been so it's incredible similar. right and the best one is the darkest hour with with winston's church with winston churchill you know where he he basically you know when when they take out Who's the other, you know, the prime minister, the guy who everybody quote, you know, the guy who appeased Hitler. What's that? Chamberlain. Exactly. Right. So, you know, it's like it takes place in the 48 hours that like Winston Churchill basically has to like write up this speech and tell people like, you know, we don't stop him now. Like you're never stopping him, you know, and the forces of appeasement were always there for Putin. Right. Because people were making money off of these Russian oligarchs. Right. The guys that were taking the money that were benefiting from Putin's regime were spending it in London. They were spending it in, in, you know, in Nantucket, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and in Palm Beach, where, you know, Kat spends a lot of time in South Florida too. Like you see, you know, the yachts, I'm blowing up. Not, the not, not as much in a while now. Okay. I haven't been true. there since 2020. Okay, that's right. Well, good for you guys. I, that's a were you at my birthday party back then? No, I, I don't think so. No, no. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, the, the parallels are crazy because it's the same type of thing. It's, it's, if you don't learn a lesson, you're doomed to, to repeat it. You know, and it, it, it's the same it's like this cult of personality, you know, do you know, Eckhart Tolle, he wrote the power now and that new earth. He talks about the pain body, which is like your accumulated ego, you know, like the part that's not the real you, but just like the broken part of men, you know, mm-hmm. they just want to lash out and do bad stuff. It's like, that is a psychological phenomena that is 
responsible for most of the suffering in the 20th century, right? Where like over 100 million people died in wars, right? And it was all like Pol Pot, Hitler, you know, Stalin. Like, Can it, I just uh, make a quick uh, little observation? Yeah. All men. Right. All men. Well, there's something instinctual. Right. But you can tame that beast, right? All men aren't going to like. No, 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 no. I'm not saying all men will do that. I'm right. saying. Oh, all men. Has, I understand. Yeah, when there has been war. Excellent point. I'm with you. I want nothing but female leaders. <laughs> you know, like. I, I think, you know, first of all, everything. we're 51% of the population. You would never fucking know that. But yeah. we are. And there's more of us than men. It's not by much, but there are. And you know what? You guys all had your chance. Give us a fucking chance now. Let's see how, how women can work. Hey, I got no problem. Hand it over. That's I, how I'm, you, you can have, like, I'm down. Okay. I always preferred to work with women. One of the things I liked about TV production is when I got into it, it was all women that were production coordinators and stuff. It was the one area because there weren't really many female stage managers yet. Right. Mm-hmm. There was Karen Tash. Tammy eventually became one. Tammy, my friend was who got me in the business was a production coordinator. It was like, that was the part of TV that you could sort of still like make some, you know, break into because all the directors, all the cameramen, all the producers, it was all men. Tell me about it. And they were pigs. Like I lived in that 93 where people would just berate you, throw stuff at you. Like, tell me about it. Right. Just the, you know, that the cliched, you know, Hollywood mogul asshole guy was like there, you know, but women was always like, Hey, how are you doing? Did you get a chance to eat? Take a break, you know? Like, but you know, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna have to give a side note on that as well. Um, when I first worked with my first female producer, I was ecstatic. I was so excited to work with a woman. And she was such a fucking bitch to me no and way. to all the other women. So there, the, here's the issue, and this is why like the whole like white women who got Trump into office, and I, I feel like there's a constant like, you know, women working against them their own you know, self-interest and, right. and cause we are pitted against other women, you know, the patriarchy sets it up that way. Right. So even in production, when there were women producers, I did not find them to be very kind to other women. They were kind to the, to the males. And, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so there was, a, you know, they felt threatened they yep. felt threatened, and it shouldn't be that way. And what's interesting is when I read Tina Fey's bossy pants, yeah. she mentioned something about that. She's like, you know, like they were like, well, you can't have three women in that sketch. And she's like, why not? There's been more than three men in a sketch. You know, it's not, it's okay for, for men, a bunch of men to be in it, but not, you know, oh no, we already have our one woman. We don't need anymore. That's, that's what's been driven into females' heads, you know, women's heads, this idea that there can only be one and all the others are your competition. And that's a problem. Hopefully that's starting to like diminish a little, but I, I haven't personally seen it just yet. That's an excellent point. And, and, you know, once you point it out, I see it. And I'm, I'm thinking of specific examples on shows you and I have worked on, on big, you know, shows where there's a few women who've had a key position for a long time. And you're right. Now that I think about the competent women coming up under them, I don't see a lot of symbiosis and like, you know, here, you know, cause yeah, you're thinking if there's only a few spots, somebody's going to take my spot and then I'm out. But that's the, the fallacy. There's right. there doesn't have to be that way, you know? Right. And I think the more women who get in higher positions, the more that'll disappear yeah. because what they should do is, and I do it whenever I can. And I'm always telling David, do you have enough women? Do you have enough women? I'm always reminding him 
to to keep that sort of thing in mind when he's hiring. Um, but you know, I would do the same, and I would hope other women would do the same as well. You know, yeah. we got to lift each other up. We got we got to you know so that we can have a level fucking playing field here. Understood, you know? and that benefits everybody. You know, that's yeah. another theme of the show. It's like you know, all boats rise, like with the waters, right? It's like that's yeah. gonna like. Yeah. People see things in such this limited, like there's only so much and I got to get mine, you know, which is the sort of like toxic male thing behind capitalism, you know, and it goes back to some visceral living in a cave. Like if I don't get the woolly mammoth, the next tribe is going to get it or something, you know, and it's just like that's BS, especially now with like the expansiveness in a place like media where they just can't get enough content too. It's not like there's only three networks. You can, you can understand when there was three networks, why that might be the case. But now it's like, you know, every platform in the world needs content. And, and the other thing is that things become so interesting when they're voices you haven't heard before. I remember when I watched like crazy rich Asians or something, I'm like, this is hilarious. And how come I didn't, how come I don't see a lot of movies like this? Like, how come I'm even remarking on the fact that these all happen to be Asian people? Because this is just a funny, great story. And this right. is a world I don't get to see. And this is awesome. You know, or India, like Bollywood, where's a big, like Americanized, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. It's like- Totally. I think I think there's so many great stories out there that we will all benefit from. Like absolutely. In, in, the, in, the, in the TV industry, absolutely. I'm so tired of like- the same stories over and over again. Like, like when David and I are trying to pick a movie to watch or whatever, right. like if I see it's all men, nope, I know. move along. Here's, I, I'm yeah. not interested in another male story. I'm just not. I mean, I'm, I know that's shitty, but I'm just tired of it. You know, I'm just tired of this same fucking perspective. Dude, so. I, you got me. I, I hear you. I talk about, I, I can't watch like network TV because every show opens with like a sexualized murder of an attractive young woman, woman, right? <laughs> Everything is like a hot chick who's partying in a, you know, and then, flash, she like, right, then she's laying in the pool yeah. in a fucking yeah. pool of blood or something. And it's like, yeah. and then somebody's making a quip over her dead body. You know, this right, heartless, right, right. like, well, looks like she didn't wear the right pumps. You know, like, <laughs> and then it's like, all right, we'll, we'll, now we'll spend 40 minutes glorifying the serial killer you know, yeah. murdered her and we'll all get off on it. You know, it's so unhealthy. You know, I know people probably don't want to he- hear that, but like, there's a lot of things that we consume that a healthy spirit wouldn't want to consume. You know, you would just be like, I don't want to see that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, we become desensitized to it, you know? Oh, and then so a- true. Yes. And again, like this war is showing us like, oh, this is what it really looks like. This is awful. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, because the, the violence in our culture, you know, and the, you know, we got school shootings and we just, it, it's like, we're not a well people in, in a yeah. lot of respects, you know, and, and social media is something where it's like, to me, it's like nuclear power. Like, I don't think people understood how powerful this was. And we saw it in MAGA. We see it in the way people get radicalized and QAnon and stuff. It's like when unwell people can sit on their phone and ingest conspiracy theories at four in the morning, like it doesn't work out well, right? We got a bunch of truckers driving to DC this weekend. You know, like, are you like, yeah, yeah. First of all, did they not hear that the whole mandates are like- It's over. I mean, dude. Right, but it's weaponized, you know? You're able to sort of like churn out these soldiers and, and we really have to be, you know, 
careful about what we consume. It doesn't mean you have to censor things, but it's like you can make organic choices, just like when you go to the grocery store. Yeah, but you know like, what? I mean, you just said you, you don't think we should censor things. I, I kind of agree. <laughs> but at the same time, there are people out there. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to say that someone very close to me, someone related to me, um, who is kind of incapable of seeing the difference. Do you know what I mean? Right. Between reality, what's real and what's not. Okay. Right. So, and I feel like there's some, some stuff out there that's really taken advantage of those types. Okay. That Dr. Mercola guy, for example, um, he's the one who, what the fuck kind of a doctor is he? First of all, you know, what? I think he's an osteopath or whatever. So why is he talking about viruses? Right. You know what I mean? And he's been making a shit ton of money off of uh, supplements which I don't even know what's in these supplements because they're not regulated. So you don't even know what's truly in these things. But, you know, they start off with the supplements and health and wellness and all that. And then they start getting, you know, turning, you know, pointing their followers into another direction. And he was, he's a huge anti-vaxxer. And I think they took down some of his YouTube stuff, but he's still out there. And this person that I know very, very well and closely is a huge follower and believer in, in what he is saying, which is fucking dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. Okay. So no, absolutely right. I agree with you. I I I meant, you know, I meant like in film and art or whatever, you know, people could can write whatever characters they want. But oh, no, okay. in, in terms of me, like Joe Rogan should not be on Spotify for a hundred million dollars. Okay. <laughs> Right, Boom. exactly. If you're, if you're hurting people, you know, if you're Alex, if you're putting Alex Jones on your show, on. hurting families at Sandy Hook, you know, if you're on Fox News and you're repeating Putin's talking points during, you know, something that is as close to World War World, World War Three as we're probably ever going to see, if it doesn't turn into World War Three, which it could at any hour, you shouldn't have people on American airwaves, hundred percent, because no oh, other country God. would do that. You know, here's Fox my thing. News, by the way, Fox News, I don't know how they're allowed to exist with the word right. news in their title. If anything, you know, I, I, I don't know if they can, you know, close the whole fucking network down. But if anything, they should remove the word news. I don't know why a lawyer hasn't done that yet, but that's extremely misleading. I know. Again, to folks who I'm talking about who, who really are in, unable to decipher between reality and, and opinion sometimes. You know what I mean? Yes. So. That's what, yeah, I agree. And, and, and a lot of societies don't let Fox news. You can't watch Fox news in, in UK. You can't fo- watch them in Australia. I believe like, I, mean, I think a, a compromise would be remove the word news. Yeah. Fox. Right. <laughs> Start there. Cause they already claim they're an entertainment agency too. Right. They, but they then take your fucking news. word that says news out. I mean, please. They play it on military bases, cat, that's you know, fun. like that's this, that's so far. We're almost like point past the point of no return in terms of how much like danger is being done. It's why I always speak out about the DOJ. Like I'm not anti-Merrick Garland, but I want people to understand time is not on your side. You right. better do something to Trump. And this this talk yeah. about like we got to dot all our make sure it's an ironclad case. He's 76 years old in a couple months. OK, he's been a criminal his entire adult life. Nail him on something. 
or he's not going to. There's plenty to nail him on. I mean, if anyone fucking actually read the Mueller report with the redactions, doesn't matter. The redactions didn't matter. You could still read it. And in volume two, it clearly states everything he did. You know what I mean? The volume one was really like wishy-washy. I know. Whatever, but it was still there. It was still there. But when you read volume two, it states, boom, this is what he did. That's, you know, he lays it all out. He's not saying it otherwise. There's no opinion there. I mean, there, these were all like people that were interviewed, people from Trump's own team, his like buddies, whatever. They're all interviewed. It's all there. I know. And a 10 what count. What are we fucking waiting for? Well, we're, you agree with me because I'm in the same boat. And, you know, and, and Mueller left him a 10 count indictment on obstruction of justice that he could That's have, what I'm talking right, about. That's in volume two. It's clearly stated. I know. And it's it just so, I read it. It expired. I read it. I'm like, and I was like, I, every time I would like go like this to David, I don't fucking believe this. Look, look. He's like, oh, I'll read it later. I don't know if you ever did read it, but whatever. Look, <laughs> Most people didn't read it. I know. They just listened to what stupid Bill Barr said. Right. Who just, you know, who Trump admitted uh, yesterday in one of his little missives that like, you know, he should have shut it down sooner essentially admitting that he got Barr to shut it down. Don't even get me started on Barr. No, He's like, no I, I don't, I can't. Right. Well, I, we're I almost done. a clip of his interview with uh, Lester oh. Holt where he was talking about Black Lives Matter and ooh. Yeah. Now talk about a bad hombre. You know, he's a bad man. He was a bully, you know, his whole life, just a bad guy. But uh, we're almost out of time anyway. It's been about an hour, almost an hour. So it goes fast, doesn't it, Kat? Yes, yes. <laughs> so what, was it fun? Did you, is this your first, this isn't your first podcast, is it? It might be. Right know. on. Well, you did a good job. It was a good well, conversation. Look who I'm talking to. So. I know. I'm it reminds me, actually, it reminds me a lot of when we were on productions and, and you and I would just start talking about like what was happening. Exactly. And, and it, it's, it was actually nice to do that again. That's why I wanted you on the show. I was in my head like, all right, I got to have a guest soon. Who do I want to talk to? Like if I ran in onto a show, like who would I be like, hey, can you believe all this crap that's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, Not exactly. what's happening on the gig, but in the world. And you and I always connected on that, you know? Yeah. So while Neil Diamond is rehearsing or something, we're like, can you believe? <laughs> and and hey, let's just talk about speaking of shows. Uh, we, this is a great way to close the show. And people who come to my live show, I still talk about this in my live show, Kat. But when we did the concert for HBO for Barack Obama on the mall, on the Lincoln oh, Memorial, wow. and we were in that room with him, after Michelle, that, was so awesome. right? that photo is the best. Right? Oh my god! The, we were trying to take our a selfie with them, and then Obama says, "Hey, Jamie Fox, take our picture." So not only do we get that picture with Obama, but Jamie Fox took our picture. Exactly. So that was a lot of fun. We yeah. were. I mean, that was such a great time. It that really was. was. And we that, were like, everyone was so like happy. You know. Right. That I talk about it in my show because it was. It was a sense of the possibilities that this country can achieve, right? When we yeah. all get on the same page and we have good yeah. leadership and we have diversity and we yeah. have equality and we have progressive thought, we can do things as a people and it feels good and we can yeah. take care of each other and we can move this country forward. And that's what we're going to do now, right? Biden's doing a good job. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of stuff on the plate stay safe folks wear a mask you know i'm gonna get a i got my three boosters i'm gonna get a fourth i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna fall for any kind of like it's all over just go back to normal not saying don't live your life but you know don't don't 
don't do what you're not comfortable doing, folks, you know, especially well, we'll get there eventually, you know right. what I mean? It's like there's no reason to fake and fake rush into something. You know, I'm going to wait for the science to show me that we're in a safe place. There you go. Couldn't have said it better. Well, that's it, folks. That's episode 53. My friend Kat came on the show. Did you, you had a good time, right? You're going to come back. Absolutely. Sometime? Absolutely. Awesome. Is David baking some bread today? Probably. <laughs> Her husband's a great baker, like a, a badass baker and a really cool guy. We'll get him on the show sometime. You got to talk him into coming on the show, you know? Okay. And uh, anyway, it was great talking to you, Kat. It's good to see old friends. You know, normally yeah. I would have seen you a couple times by now in the year. Yeah. We would have done the Super Bowl. Remember all those years I would take the picture of you and Rosanna on the field? Yeah, or the absolutely. Th- Next to the really tall um, football players because we're both short. <laughs> I know. Remember the Prince one? Oh, that was awesome. That was the bomb. Was I, I couldn't believe when it started raining during Purple Rain. I was just yeah. like, I mean, you... I know. Find it better. It was just. It was incredible. I was with all the marching band guys with all the neon lights on, and all the lights started short short circuiting, and they all started like slipping and falling on the ground with their trombones. And it was just so kick ass that like nobody cared. It was just that you know, there's a few times where you like you realize you're in greatness. It's not like you're watching it on the playback, like oh that was pretty good. That was one of those times like oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. is this really yeah. happening you know yeah. and springsteen was fun too in the rain at tampa yeah a lot of them i found a lot of them to be fun and i think it's a different experience when you're there you right. know versus watching it on tv it's just not the same because uh-huh. there's just like energy in the crowd and like you could see every element happening at once it's just yeah. it's just a different feeling altogether yeah, no, it was a privilege. I'm not a sports person, so. <laughs> Me neither. You know, that was the other thing. It was like, I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> but it, it was fun. Like the one in, I got into sports when the Giants won in Phoenix. That was insane too. And the guy caught it on the side of his head and stuff, Tyree. Yeah, you were in the, you were you already back at the hotel. That oh, okay. David would be back at the hotel. What, the halftime show's over? See ya. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, awesome, Kat. What a great episode. What a treat to talk to you. Enjoy the rest nice of talking to you too, really. Stay safe. I hope to see you and Dave soon. We'll get together soon, man. In person, I hope, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care of each other. Peace. Bye.